Get ready for biblical preaching and teaching. I am Pastor Adam Bigelow. Isn't it time to get unstuck? This is the Reaching Forward Podcast. We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is part two. We're going to begin in verse 35. And we're dealing with developing your future. Developing your future. After 65 years of marriage, my grandpa still calls grandma honey, sweetie, baby, and sugar. I asked him, what's the secret, grandpa, to keep love alive so long? He whispered, I forgot her name 10 years ago, and I'm afraid to ask her. (laughs) So this little girl was attending a wedding. And uh, after the ceremony, her mother asked her, you know, it was on commitment, and how many times should we get married? And the little girl kind of kind of thought for a second, and she said, 16. And the mother said, what are you talking about? It's what the preacher said. Four, better. Four, worse. Four, Richer and four poorer. That's 16 times, Mom. But really, this is what the Bible study is about. Not getting married 16 times. But it's about your future and marriage. If you take those, they're called vows, right? And I know that they're not, there's different vows out there. These are kind of the traditional vows. In those marriage vows, the commitment now that you make you also prioritize your future in the vows that you make. It's, you know, when we live in the present, being a Christian, we do live in the present. We enjoy the present. We enjoy the joy of the Lord. We enjoy the peace of God. But the life that you live as a Christian, you also prioritize the future. And that's something that Jesus taught and something that Paul preached. He said, if you sow or plant sparingly, that you will reap or harvest sparingly. And God's into investing. If you invest, then down the road, you're going to have more than you put in. That's what investments are all about. So you have to think about your future. Fitness, you have to think about your future. I told my wife, I said, the reason that I exercise is I want to stay out of the hospital. Really, that's my goal. It's not to bench press 400 pounds, you know, or or to you know, uh, stick your chest out or to look good, you know, in front of a full-length mirror with your birthday suit. That's not my goal. But my goal is to stay out of the hospital. What? It's your future. What, you laughing at my birthday suit? You can do that. You're my wife. My wife's laughing. But when you take the wedding vow, so it says these are just the traditional wedding vows. And the husband and the wife both say, I take thee to the other party to be my wedded husband, wife, to have and to hold from this day forward. So it starts now, right? And then the little girl, right? Four better, four worse, four richer, four poorer. In sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, forsaking all others. So you're making a commitment, right? But then it says this, till when? Death do us part. We're planning for the future right now. I'm making my plans for the rest of my life with that other person. 
That's kind of like what you do when you get saved. You say, God, it's going to be you and me from this day forward, but there's no death till you part in Christianity. So this uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is about that resurrection. It's about the future. And Paul was telling this church about what would happen to the church in the future. And it was the resurrection of the body. So let's begin in verse 35. But some man will say, so there's going to be some brother in the church, right? How are the dead raised up? Right? They're dead. And with what body do they come? Now that's kind of a good question, right? When you look at it from a purely physical, human standpoint. And people approach God like that, right? They take God out of the equation. They take the Bible out of the equation. Say, how's that going to work? Well, maybe the guy was from Missouri, right? Show me. And Nicodemus, he was similar, right? He came to Jesus and he said, we know you're of God. No man can do the things that you do except God be with him. What did Jesus say? He said, uh, you must be born again. And he said, born again? He said, how's that going to work? He said, you're going to go into your mother's womb a second time and be born again? And so Jesus was speaking spiritually. And the reason that he got it messed up is he didn't factor in God. And he didn't factor in the power of God spiritually. Uh, when Jesus was at the tomb of Lazarus. He said, take ye away the stone. The man had been dead four days. You know what the women said? Amen, you're the resurrection and the life. No, they didn't. They said, ooh, by this time, Lord, he stinketh. You know, he's decomposing. We don't want any part of that. We don't want to open the tomb up. But you know, it's an interesting thing that they did what he said and he called Lazarus' name and he that was dead, he that was physically dead, his spirit was no longer in his body. The spirit came back in his body. He got up and wrapped in those grave clothes, began to hop or whatever, crawl like an inchworm, however he came out of that tomb. But he heard Jesus speaking. And I like what one man said. If he didn't say name Lazarus, everyone who was dead around there would have just come alive at the voice of Jesus Christ. Jesus can do that. And that's what Paul was going to answer because someone's going to say, how's that going to work? So Paul said, this is how it works. So he's really gentle, right? He said in verse 36, thou fool, man, you know what? People think that sometimes as a Christian, you have to walk around hugging everybody and say, yes, sir. No, sir. No, he said, you idiot. He said, you fool. He said, look at the farming illustration. That which thou sowest or plantest is not quickened or made alive except it die. Now, I know the seed doesn't die, but you bury it in the ground, right? You take that seed, which is the, the body of a piece of grain, and it doesn't come alive. It doesn't grow unless you plant it. If you sit it in your cupboard, it's not going to reproduce, right? It's just going to be in your cupboard. You can have one kernel of corn. But if you plant it, you can have an entire stock, but it doesn't start until you die. God put that natural, that natural process in there to give us an attitude of what could happen to us. Now, I know the seed isn't literally dead. It goes down into the soil, but he's saying until it gets buried, it doesn't reproduce. The lesson is that new bodies of grain are not produced without that burial. And the same with us. And he said in verse 37, And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be. So he said a new body is going to come out. You sow that grain or kernel of corn or the 
apple seeds. Uh, that's what I did once. Uh, I had a bad apple. And it was literally a bad apple. It was the last one. I'm like, ooh, got the last apple. Took a bite of it. Ooh, that's why it's the last apple. It was nasty. And I was still going to eat it because it was, you know, my wife's like, just throw it out. So I aimed it into the tree line. <laughs> Said, preacher, that's littering. Right, on a podcast too. They could find me. What were you doing? I was planting an apple tree, right? You know, but really, no, probably not. But you know, those seeds, when you plant the seed, the not the same seed that you plant comes up. It's different. And Paul said it's the same thing. It said, but bear grain, it may chance of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him and to every seed his own body. So when you plant that kernel or apple seed or whatever else, something else is going to come up different than what you planted. It's going to be the same type, but it's going to be a different body. And he said it's the same thing with you. He said, men will be men. You're going to look like yourself. You're going to, uh, a woman will be a woman. You'll be able to recognize brother David or brother Charles or brother Adam, but you're going to be immortal. You're going to be different, but the same. Just like an apple seed, it would grow an apple tree with seeds, but it would be different than the seed that was planted. I thought about this, this thing called vibranium, and it's what the Black Panther, the superhero, wears. It's this super material, right? And I think they made Captain America's shield out of this. And it's, it looks like a material that's from the earth. Actually, I think it's supposedly from an alien source or whatever. But it's got these super properties, but yet it looks kind of normal. That's what's going to happen when we become immortal. We're going to look regular like people, but it's going to be a higher substance that God puts in there. The preacher, you're quoting vibranium. I just think it's kind of cool. So. But the Bible says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21, who shall change our vile body, this body that's corrupting, that you keep need washing and putting deodorant on, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, unto Jesus' body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things to himself. He is going to change us to make us immortal like him. You'll still look like a human, but you will have an immortal body. So what are the nature of resurrected bodies? Verse 39 to 44, all flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. Well, there's diversity, right? In verse 40, there are also celestial bodies. That's like the sun, the moon, and bodies terrestrial, earthly bodies, that terrestrial is of the earth. But the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. So the sun shining in the, in the sky has a different glory than a beetle crawling on the ground. And... God is saying through Paul here that there is a difference, too, in the glory of the things from the earth and the things from heaven. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars for one star different from another star in glory. My neighbor gave us a uh, telescope. And you know that when you look up in the sky, all the stars just look the same, little twinkles, right? But when you look at them through a telescope, they are completely awesome to look at. I mean, you look at the moon and it just grows right through that. But you can also look at different stars and they're very different when you get closer. 
And that's what God is saying here, that everything is different. There is a difference and a diversity in God's creation in heaven. And then he said, he's comparing it, right? So, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. Here's the, di- the differences. It is sown in weakness. You ever have like a weak back or a you know, weak knee or something like that? When you get older, you may, right? But the Bible said it's raised in power. Say goodbye to your knee brace. Don't take it to heaven, okay? It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Yes, we have flesh, but it's, it's a spiritual body in that it's immortal. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And it's talking about not immaterial, but the immortal substance like vibranium. It's just like you're going to be different when you are raised a spiritual body. And so preacher, does that mean that we're going to be see-through and you can reach it? No, it's not. Because when Jesus raised from the dead, what did he do? He ate food. He said, handle me, touch me. He had an immortal body, but you could touch it and feel it because it was of a higher substance than just flesh and bone. It was created. God sits on a throne in heaven. He doesn't sit down and pass through the throne, okay? God has a body that can be felt and touched, okay? And later, what did he do with his disciples? They hadn't caught any food, so Jesus, he cooked fish. The resurrected Jesus, he cooked some fish, he cooked some bread, and then he served dinner to his disciples. How can you do that if you couldn't touch things and hold things and handle things? And, uh, but a resurrected body is able to do that. You'll be able to walk and you'll be able to shake hands with the brethren, okay? But you're just going to have a higher level. And if that's the one thing that Paul is saying, you're going to have a higher level of substance. It's going to be an immortal substance that makes up our body. Thank God. I don't even know... There's a lot of things. I don't even know if we're going to need to sleep. I don't know. I mean, because you're not going to get tired. You know, thank God. I don't know. We'll have to see, right? Maybe there's going to be no bedroom. Like, there's no bedroom in my room, in my house, God, in my mansion. Because you don't need to sleep. But there's a big kitchen, right? Big hot tub. I don't know. But we'll have to see when we get there. But the verse 45 to verse 50, it's the necessity of the resurrection. The necessity. And so there's six contrasts between Adam, who brought sin into the world, and Christ. In verse 45 to 47, there are six contrasts. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, not me, I guess he's my relative, right? Because he's got the same name, but he's all of our relatives, right? The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the Bible said man became a living soul soul the last adam that's jesus was made a quickening spirit someone that makes you alive Howbeit that was not the first Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual but that which is natural and afterward that which is spiritual the first man is of the earth earthy the second man is the lord from heaven so in verse 45 you have the first is Adam and the last Adam. So there's two Adams, right? For two men. One is Adam that was created in the Garden of Eden. One is Jesus Christ, the second Adam, the pure creation. Verse 45, the second thing, you got a living soul. The first man was a living soul. Jesus was a quickening spirit. He makes us alive. 
I, Sister Keckle had shared this, that God didn't die to make bad men good men as much as to make dead men living men. God is a quickening spirit. What did Jesus say to Nicodemus? You best reform yourself. No, he said you've got to be born. You've got to come alive again. Verse, And that's really what becoming a Christian is. It's not going to church, paying your tithe, and dressing with a shirt and tie. It's getting a total revamp in your life. And that is, that is exactly what Jesus does in our lives. I was reading about this preacher, and he was like a gang member, a thief, and different things, but he got saved. He got saved, and he went to preach. He was a young man. He went to preach for D.L. Moody in Chicago. D.L. Moody had some time off. He said he was a young preacher, this fill-in preacher. He said, let him preach a few days, Friday, Saturday, you know, something like that. And then he came back from his little vacation. D.L. Moody, the preacher of this big church in Chicago, said, well, how do you do? And they're like, he, he doesn't preach like you. He just preaches that God loves people. And he's like, so he kind of got offended by this preacher. And he was drawing crowds. They let him preach for like six or seven days in a row. And he would preach from John chapter 3 and verse 16 over and his name was uh, Henry Morehouse, I believe. But he would fill that church like on a Monday night in Chicago. And they didn't have air conditioning, right? But he would fill that church and to tell people about God, a God who loved them. So a preacher, who was he? He was a man who was saved. God changed him from being a gang member, from being a thief. And you know what? When God changes us, we can be a mouthpiece for Jesus Christ. And, you know, God changed me. I, I need God to have his hands on me. This morning, God, I even let my daughter give me a blessing. Say, I'll take any blessing that I can get. Amen. So the, the third thing, man, the first man is natural. The next one is the focus on spiritual. The fourth thing, the first man was from earth. He was created out of the dust of the ground, right? And you know, your body has a lot of the same minerals that are in the dirt. Did you know that? Iron and all this stuff, it's in your body, but it's also in the ground. Well, duh, that's where we came from, right? So it's like, are you dirty? Yep, I was made out of dirt, right? So <laughs> you're dirty, preacher. Yep, and my name is Adam, right? But the second man is from heaven. Jesus didn't come from the earth. He came from heaven. He was born of the Holy Ghost. Verse 47, the fifth thing. Man was only man, but Jesus was both God and man. And the sixth thing, Adam was known as the first man, and God, Jesus Christ, was known as the second man. What is he saying? There is a difference. That's what Paul is saying. There's a difference in the resurrection. There's a difference. It's spiritual. And the Bible says in verse 48, As is the earthy, such are they that are also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. He made the, di the, the, the difference there and said there is a difference in your body when you're raised from the dead. It is a difference. Just like Jesus was different from Adam, a resurrected body, a resurrected Christian is different than just someone walking around on the street. Paul was establishing if this is the whole part of the second part of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, there is a difference in the resurrected body, but is it, a, it is a body of a higher substance that you can touch. It still looks like you. Amen. Otherwise, you're like, I'm not going to go to heaven and be like, look like an Indian woman or something like that. No, I'm going to look the same. I'm not going to 
change the gender, okay? God knows that he created you a man and uh, uh, another person who's a woman created them a woman. You're going to be a woman in heaven. You're going to be a man in heaven. You're going to be the same color as you are here, okay? Maybe we'll have like buffer bodies. I don't know. We're gonna, you're going to look like yourself, okay? That'd be kind of cool. Like you just walk in and like, wow, I look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Without the accent, right? But with, uh, yeah, and hopefully I'll have some hair too, right? It's like, Daddy, I want to get there. And I used to have hair. I mean, I used to have hair. Praise God. It just kind of left on me. Oh, I said that for myself. Well, look at us. We're the hair club for men in this church. I mean, it's like, preacher, is this a cult where you all shave your heads? Nope, it just fell out. Right? Quick growing. It's on protest. It says, as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly that's the immortal image that we're going to bear thank god that's something to look forward to as you get older um you know that this one preacher said that this guy he they were drinking beer it's a beer commercial and they're drinking beer on this fishing boat it's like doesn't get any better than this you know it's some beer commercial from the 80s and the preacher said you're right it only gets worse (laughs) you know that i'm thankful that with god it doesn't get any Listen, you can comfort yourself with this. It doesn't get any worse than what you face right here. Say, preacher, but I face this. I face a sickness. I face the relationship crisis. Brethren, and they're hard, right? I face the loss of a loved one. I face financial troubles. But it doesn't get any worse than this. Say, what's the worst thing that could happen? I could die, but then I'm going to go to heaven. That's the worst thing. So it's the opposite of the beer commercial. They said it doesn't get any better. Right, it gets worse as you keep drinking, right? But as a Christian, this is the worst thing that we're going to face. We're not going to go to hell. We're not going to face all these other things. Uh, the, the worst we're going to face is down here. It's only going to get better in heaven. I've got a hope that keeps me excited about Jesus Christ. God has it. May it be in all of our hearts that it's going to be different by and by. And it's going to work together for the good down here. Now this I say, brethren verse 50, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You can't go like you are now. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Can you imagine flesh and blood and people? Because our, our soul gets saved, right? Our spirit is hooked up to God, but that body is still unredeemed, right? It's still a flesh and blood body. It still needs to be changed, right? So in verse 51, It said that the time and the manner of the resurrection, he said, behold, I show you a mystery. Let me unpack something for you. And we sing this. Yes, we shall not all see death. Right. We shall not all sleep, which means we're not all going to die. There's going to be a generation that doesn't die. But we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, That's Trump's grandkids, right? No, at the last trumpet, that's what it means. That's not a political statement. That's his surname. For the trumpet shall sound. Trump just means trumpet, right? And the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Notice this. Now, when is this is what is known as the rapture. We'll get we'll get into this. I don't want to share another verse of scripture that deals with this same uh, occurrence. But what's the twinkling of an eye? So imagine looking into someone's eyes and seeing like light flash and like lightning or something. That's what the twinkling of an eye means. Uh, what is it? 186,000 miles per second, the speed of light. It's 
pretty fast, right? Faster than a Tesla, okay? But the Greek word is en atomo, which means an atom, where we get the word A-T-O-M, which means they used to think atoms were so small, they were the smallest unit. They couldn't be divided, but people found out that the atom bomb, you could split an atom. They're smaller things. But at the time, they didn't... So this represented the smallest amount of time in a moment, that an atom of time. So he said, Paul was saying, folks, it's going to happen so fast. It's going to be like instantaneous that everyone's just going to be changed like that. It's not going to be like Iron Man getting in his suit. Uh, I don't know what he calls it, Jeeves or something. But he goes, somebody... And the, the suit goes, and it goes all over him, and he becomes Iron Man. Or Superman goes into the, uh, the phone booth, and he comes back out in like five seconds. No, this is like instant. Boom! Everyone's going to be changed. It's going to be in a, it's like instantaneous. So there's going to be two trumpets that are mentioned, right? The first one, it says the dead in Christ, rotten, decayed, their atoms spread all over the place, right? They're going to be made in an atom of time, in a tiny, almost imperceptible amount of time, just alive, just in a resurrected body. And the second trumpet is going to sound, and those which are alive and remain, we're going to be made immortal. And then we're all going to be caught up with Jesus Christ in the air. That's what the rapture is. So the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and verse 16 and 17, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. So that's what that's talking about, that first trumpet sound. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. That's where you get the word rapture. There's no word rapture in the Bible, okay? But caught up is where you get this word. Trinity's not in the Bible either, right? But the word Godhead represents the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, who, the ones that went up first, the ones that were dead in Christ, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall ever be with the Lord. This man said, my girlfriend and I just transitioned to a long distance relationship, or as she likes to call it, a restraining order. No, but there's going to be no restraining order. We're going to be caught up together with God, right? So, verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. There has to be a change. So when this corruptible, it's just like you can't go to heaven until you become a Christian first while you're alive. But you can't go to heaven until you put on an immortal body. That's that the resurrected body. Say, well, what happens until, I don't know what kind of, what kind of body they're, they're in right now before the resurrection. There's some kind of body up there, but there's going to be a resurrection and their body is going to be uh, immortally resurrected and made new at this trump of God when it sounds. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, and this is the end of every Christian or the beginning, if you like, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And the Bible said, Death, O death, where is thy sting? Quoting from the Old Testament, O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of sin is, the sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. What is he saying here? This 
the sting of death. He said, death, where is thy sting? He's, death is, let's see, let's, the Bible says, what fruit had ye in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Death is the payment that you get, the rewards you get for a life lived in sin. And it says the sting of sin. So like a cattle prod or a sharp stick, sin pokes you all the way, drives you all the way. That's what it's talking about, all the way until death. Brethren, sin is not fun. I know it, it is enjoyable when you start it, but it is not a fun lifestyle. As a pastor, I talk to lots of people, and the outcome of sin, it's not what you think it is, right? It's a lie, but... The Bible says that the Christian said, oh, death, where's your sting? Why? Because Jesus may be free from sin. And then it says the sting of sin is death and the strength of sin is the law. But Jesus Christ gave us freedom from the law and Jesus swallowed up death and victory over sin. And so that's why he's saying, hey, death, you don't have any control on me anymore. And you don't have any fear of dying because there's no sting of sin in the Christian. But thanks be to God, verse 57, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It says in Romans, what the law could not do uh, because of the weakness of the flesh, right? Jesus did through the Spirit. It's in Romans chapter 8. I'm running out of time. So I got about a minute left. So verse 58, knowing that we have victory in Jesus Christ, brethren, the devil's such a liar. He would like you to live defeated from Sunday after you get out of church with some crazy thought he puts in your head until you come back to church on Sunday. That's not what, the way God wants you to live. He wants you to live in victory. Claim that victory. Enjoy the victory. Reach out by faith and pray and get something from God. And then he said, therefore, my brethren, knowing that we have the victory in Jesus Christ, he says, therefore, find out what the therefore is there for, right? My beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, I don't know what the guys were thinking when I got invited to church. But I know this, that when they were soul winning, inviting people to church, there was no real results. So what do they do? They listened to God and God said, cast your net over on this side, laid it on the heart of one of the soul winners, a guy named Ken. And uh, they came over to my barracks. I was in a barracks. They didn't just quit, but uh, they came over and invited me to church. And uh, hey, I came out to church and hey, gave my life to God. And hey, here I am preaching some years later. But you know what? Their labor was not in vain. In the Lord. And the devil's a liar. Soul winning works. Reading your Bible works. Praying works. You know, believe God, believe God for something in faith. I mean, this week, believe him to do something. Not just something that, you know, oh, I was expecting that letter in the mail. No, pray for something and let God answer it. Because your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That means it'll work. It'll have a result to it. And you know what? I'm the result. I'm the result of someone else working for God, and I thank God, and I thank God for air conditioning. But let us pray, God, thank you for this developing our future. Let us look to you. 
God has let us trust you and let us understand. It's not going to get any worse, but it is going to get better in eternity. New body, new immortality in Christ's precious name. Amen.